All right, here we are at another Green Room podcast. This is podcast number eight. We're cranking along on these things since we started, and we are doing back-to-back weeks because a few weeks ago, we took one week, we delayed one week, so we're trying to get back on track with our schedule. So if you're wondering, hey, there's another one out this Wednesday, here we are. It's like Christmas in August. Yeah, that's right. That's not something you hear too often. But I'm Gable Gatsby. I'm the worship pastor here at Compass, and with me is our leader, the senior pastor here at Compass, Dr. Tim Jacobs. Hey, what's going on? It's so great to be here, and we're in the green room. So this is a green room podcast, and we have so many things happening right now. And if you're driving, if you're sitting in your living room, if you're helping your kids with their homework, if you're trying to sleep, if you're in the bathroom, you are in the right place wherever you are because you're listening to this. Yeah. What else could you do that would be better a better use of your time. I can't think of anything uh, except eat. When yeah, we get done, I'm eating because yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. I'm hungry all the time these days, but that's a different story. That's, that's a paleo diet for you. Well, anyways, it's, <laughs> it's more than that, but it's a yeah. But it doesn't matter. I'm hungry. That's all I have to say. Good stuff. We are uh, getting prepared tomorrow. We start with our GLS. Uh, we're hosting it here at Compass Church in Goodyear. If you want to check out more on that, just briefly go to westvalleyleaders.org and you can check that out as well. But we're really pumped because what is GLS? GLS is the Global Leadership Summit. We have uh, top quality, world-class speakers. This is not, this is an event for business people, for Christians, for entrepreneurs, for stay-at-home moms, um, for police officers, for anyone who wants to get better at them, at anything they're doing in life. It really is true because leadership is all about influence. Leadership is all about figuring out where you want to go and getting there. Leadership is all about self mastery, um, self-discipline, trying to figure out uh, how uh, you're wired and how you come off to other people. And all of these subjects are, they just, they do a fantastic job. There's 120 some thousand people who are registered around the country in some 700 different host sites around the nation. We are one of them. And, and if you, you still have time, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, August 10th, you still have time to go. Um, you can, you can register online. You can go to westvalleyleaders.org and you can register. You can bring a friend. You can walk up. I think you can walk up. I'm, I, I don't know if you can. I'm just going to say you can. Hey, I got an idea out there. We're, you know, we didn't script this thing. We have kind of a direction, but, uh, you had mentioned a couple of comp tickets. What if somebody listening right now really wants to go? I can think of one comp t- ticket that, that I might have. Uh, maybe there's like like a radio show. Maybe they could email one of us or something. And well, unfortunately, we're not live. But but if you if you want to, depending on when you when you hear this, if you want to email um, email our our admin Gay Hudek G A Y at compasschurchaz.com and say, hey, these two clowns said on the podcast, <laughs> the Green Room podcast, that there might be a comp ticket available. Is there one available? First one in gets it. Yeah, basically. And and again, it may be too late. So we don't know because, um, you know, you're dealing with, uh, there's some stipulations. and sure. we, you know. But anyway, the point is, comp or no comp, if you can make it, you need to go. It's going to be great. Um, we already have a great crowd going. We're super excited, especially first year out. We didn't really know. But it, it makes us better. It makes me better. And really, here's the thing. The, the what makes us so important, and we, we, we didn't talk about this as much as I wanted to, 
Christianity drives everything. Now, the media is not going to tell you that. The, the university is not going to tell you that. The pop culture is not going to tell you that. They're going to say that Christianity is the cause of all the problems in the world, you know, racism and bigotry and slavery and narrow-mindedness and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is the foundation of science is found in Christianity. The foundation of, of, um, of economics and the economic systems that work is found in Christianity. The foundation of leadership is found in Christianity. In fact, right now I'm in the Air Force, as you know, and I'm taking a, uh, a class in the Air Force, a distance learning class on leadership. And I can tell you at the highest levels of the Air Force, when you look at their, their equivalent of their university, they're what they call their Air University, where they train um, colonels and, and everything else. When they get down to it, they say at, at the end of the day, you have to be somebody who has some kind of moral center in your life if you want to lead, if you want to have influence, if you want to survive, if you want to be effective. They can't, write, come, out, they can't come out and say Christianity but they quote C.S. Lewis. They quote, um, who's that guy we always quote to? Uh, Ravi Zacharias? No, they don't quote Ravi Zacharias, but you, but you <laughs> wish we they do. did. No, they quote the guy, the, you know, the guy from like 100 years ago, the G.K. Chesterton. They quote oh, him. Yeah. And it's, it's insinuated. Here's the point. Christianity, the, the tenets, the foundation, the driver of it. And again, Jim Collins talks about this in his book, Good to Great, when he talks about the level five leader. And he says it's a mixture. The ultimate leader is the one who has two things, this paradoxical combination of personal humility and professional will. In other words, personal humility in your own life, not walking around thinking that you're better than anybody else. But then at the same time, on the other side of that coin, there's professional will, there's ambition, there's drive, there's focus, there is an unrelenting sense that I am going to accomplish this. And right. those two things, when put together, make what really is the capstone type of leader. Now, I ask you, who in all of human history has exemplified that the greatest? And the answer is simple. It's Jesus Christ. He gave everything else, uh, all of him, he gave everything up for us, and yet there was an ambition that said, I'm going to the cross, and nothing is going to get in the way of that. And so it's amazing. And then so all, all of the best things of Christian culture, and certainly people have misinterpreted and taken it and using it for their own devices and their own selfish means throughout history. But the ones who've captured the essence of Scripture have been the ones who've lived that way, and that's why they follow the pattern of Jesus, give their lives if need be, but then spend their lives in service to other human beings. Yeah, that's really good stuff. Uh, GLS has great stuff for anybody. You know, you think leadership, and some people go, oh, I'm not a leader. Let me tell you something. If if you have a group of people underneath of you, and you're, you're, you have to communicate, and you have to bring change, and it's scary, you're probably a leader. Absolutely. If and, you're and a it, mom, yes. you're a dad, you're, yes. that, that, there's leadership inherent in those things. I remember going last year, we heard from Sheila Heen, about uh, thanks for the feedback. And she talked a lot about marriage communication mm -hmm. in that. Um, there's good stuff in there. If you, if you think it's all going to be, there's stuff for business leaders. There's stuff for every type of leader in, in anything. So there's good stuff that, that you need to check out. Again, it's uh, tomorrow, which is uh, Thursday and Friday from 830 to 430. And you can check out and get more information at uh, westvalleyleaders.org. So it's good stuff. Uh, we're very excited about that. There's also some other things that happened around here that we're pretty excited about. Last weekend, we started our new series, Strength Through Adversity, and we did spontaneous baptisms. Again, for the second year in a row. 
And it was fabulous. We baptized 32 people, I think, spontaneously. They did not know they were going to be baptized when yeah. they showed up to Compass Church, and they did. But man, you know, Gabe, last weekend was was um, kind of a watershed moment for us. It was huge. Um, we had 888 or 883 people on campus that Sunday. Uh, huge, up 200 from just two weeks ago. Yeah. So thank you all of Sunday you. Sunday and Saturday. Sunday and Saturday. I'm sorry. The we weekend. started our brand new Saturday service. Yeah, exactly. So that was a huge success. <laughs> I mean, that and the other thing too that everybody kind of commented on, which is important to note, is. People hung out and we have, we realized we haven't had the opportunity for people to really hang out before and after services because we've had three stacked up in a row on Sunday, kind of close together. And it's like, get you in and get you out because we're trying to get everything done before it gets too late in the afternoon. And we don't want to get, we can't have a 7 a.m. service and we want to give you some substance. So it's not just going to be a 45 minute service. So we're trying to cram all this stuff and we're all, we're all kind of like type A driven people yeah. anyway. So we're trying to just get everything done and get you out of there. And in the process, we've kind of lost some of that time of just making relations, building relationships and community. And we recaptured that last weekend in a dramatic way yeah. with the five fifteen service. People hung out for like an hour afterwards, nine o'clock, same thing, 1045. And I was leaving. Cause I'm like, I, I had, like I said, I was hungry. I'm hungry now, but I was really hungry then. And I'm, I have to go eat. And there were still people hanging out. And I, yeah. and I was talking to people for a, a long time afterwards. And it was just so, it was a, it was an amazing service, Gabe, you and the worship team, did an, a fantastic job, you know, and it was, it was a place, I, if you missed it on, on the weekend, you if missed you missed, it, yeah. you really missed something. You missed out. And I can't, I, and honestly, my heart feels bad for people who wake up on Sunday morning or, or, you know, Saturday afternoon and think the best thing I can do right now, the most fulfilling thing I can possibly do is sit here and watch, uh, you know, some kind of Sunday political show or, or some kind of, or just sit there Golf and, or <laughs> yeah, or go on candy crush and just sit there and do nothing. Or even if they go, but fine, go, you know, go play golf. That's great. But you're, but you're going to oh, miss I mean, watch golf or that watch would, yeah, golf. I mean, if you're yeah, watching I mean, golf. I mean, if you're, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. No offense, you, but holy cow, <laughs> it's one thing to play golf. I think that's awesome. Not for me personally, I respect it, but the time it takes to get good at it is way outside of my ability. But yeah, to watch it, that's uh, it's kind of like watching baseball for me. And again, yeah. I have members of my family that love watching baseball. Yeah, your son's a diehard baseball Oh, man, he guy. loves it. I, I just say shrink the whole thing to six or five that's innings. My, that's my opinion. Yeah, and it's not, yeah. if it's not done in two hours, just cut it. You know, yeah. whoever's winning at that point, that's that. I don't that, know but. who decided on nine, but I think it was when that was actually a pastime. There was no other form of entertainment. So. Yeah, there was. You're right. <laughs> Let's sit around for five hours and watch these guys do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Hey, we could go on our rant on baseball, but we've got other things to talk about. So you missed out. If you missed last weekend, there's lots of amazing things happening. We started our new series uh, on basically strength through adversity, and we're going through First Peter. And there's a lot of good stuff in there. I know this week you're looking forward to talking about the hope that we have in Jesus Lots of awesome things in there. Uh, but we wanted to spend some time because we're realizing, you know, this series is going to be one on spiritual maturity because it takes yeah. spiritual maturity to withstand uh, trials, suffering. It takes that because it takes adversity to grow. It takes adversity to build strength. So let's talk a little bit about that. You had you shared an awesome thought out of Matthew 5 this week, and uh, I wanted to unpack that a little more. Yeah, so... What you said about strength through adversity, and I think what's so important is, like anybody, I don't like going through difficult times, and we often wonder, 
you know, God, why, why does this have to be hard? Why do we have to go through these struggles? And we don't realize that in the moment of going through them is when you're actually getting stronger. Yeah. And it's not a, you know, cause it was, well, what doesn't kill you make you stronger? Well, I mean, there's some truth to that, but then some things, you know, they kill you really slowly and <laughs> that's not good either. I mean, like, I'm not dead yet. Like heart disease. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it will kill you. That, that but, will just kill you. Yeah. But at the same time, Gabe, I, it's, it's one of these things when we're, when we're dealing with adversity or difficult times and it's in the moment where we can think, God, is there, what, where, where's the purpose here? Why are we involved in this? But the, here's the thing. And it, it hit me from last weekend. So it's a little bit of a, of a tangent, but it's a big one. This, this month is nine years for me that I've been at Compass. And that's a special thing to me because I was one of these guys that always wondered if I could stay anywhere more than three or four years because I, I get bored easily. I'm kind of a, you know, I can easily kind of love the grass is greener on the other side. And that, that's characterized my life. And I got into my early 30s. And when I came to Compass and I thought, man, am I going to be able to last here for any period of time? And, um, to what's, what I've learned, and this isn't a lesson, not just in ministry, but for wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing, when you stay at something for a longer period of time than you thought you could, and I'm talking about a marriage, a job, some kind of commitment that you've made, whatever, there are benefits and rewards that no one that you cannot see when you first start out, you just can't see them and you can't fast track them. You can't, you can't try to speed them up because there are things that only time can bring. So for example, there was a couple who came up to me on Sunday and it really touched my heart to be honest with you. And because they said, you know, Tim, we've been here at this church for seven years and in seven years we've seen our lives grow. And the, the context was we had had baptisms and they actually were asking, Hey, can we be baptized here? We were already baptized as adults and we knew what we were doing and everything, but there's just something we've changed so much since we've been here that we want to get baptized in this church because this is our home. This is our family. And it really touched my heart because it, it, it made me realize that, that if, and, and there was in, in, in their life, we talked about this, there hasn't been anything super dramatic that, that he could point to that's happened in the last seven years that they've been here. Like, you know, some story that would just knock you off your um, chair because of how amazing it was. But what their story is, is a pattern of consistently showing up here and consistently listening to what God has to say and trying to apply it in their lives as best they can and being in community with other people and walking this journey over time and the things that the joy that they're experiencing now even I mean they've got still some struggles and we've we know I we've talked about some of these things there's it's not like their life is perfect but there is a there is this low grade joy that has been increasing in their lives over the years that they've been here because they've stayed at it and for me who's been here for nine years to see the the results of being somewhere for a while I could, I would, if I had left here four years ago or whatever, because I got bored or I got mad about this or things didn't happen as fast as I wanted them to, I never would have heard from that couple. I would have, there would have been all these stories in process that never would have reached these kind of endpoints in the, in these chapters. You know what I'm saying? Now, yeah. The book hasn't been done yet, but there's chapters and you start to see these chapters. If you leave before even the chapter, forget the book, but if you leave before the chapters, if you quit before the chapter is finished, then 
you, you, you don't see what could have been accomplished. And so I'm not saying that it, you should never get out of, of a situation or, or move on or advance. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is we live in a society that values, um, that does not value commitment in boring times. Yeah. And there's been times, there's been times at Compass where I've felt bored. And, and it's not, and I don't mean that like, oh, I don't know. It's just because I go, well, it's, there's, there's nothing really dramatic happening. And then someone has to pull me aside, like an elder or a staff person or my wife, and just say, um, do you know where we were a year ago? Yeah. Like, you, we didn't have this building a year ago, and you didn't have this, these staff people here a year ago. And you guys were, you know, we were 100 people smaller than a year ago, or whatever. And I go, oh, yeah. But it didn't happen as fast as I wanted to. So I start thinking there's something wrong. Yeah, I remember um, years ago you were preaching on the kingdom of God and how it's compared to a mustard seed or a seed that's planted. Right. And if you ever tried to watch plants grow at the speed that they grow, that's pretty boring. And they don't they don't make any noise. <laughs> yeah. They don't say, "Hey, I'm growing." They don't it's it'd be very I mean people say, "Well, you know, sit there and watch the grass grow like it's a negative thing." Yeah. Because it is. But then what happens is one day you walk out and you go, holy cow, where'd that thing come from? It's like the spiritual life. It's, it's the slow progression that as you're faithful, you water it, you, move, you, you introduce the things that need to be introduced to the soil. It gets uh, sunlight, all those things uh, over time. Exactly. It's over time. And I think the same thing is true in a marriage. Now, it's possible to spend 30 or 40 years in a loveless, you know, sexless, terrible kind of marriage. It is. And that's not yeah. a good, that's just this tragic thing. But at the same time, I would say it's not possible to develop the intimacy that you can get after 18 years of marriage, of a good marriage. You can't develop that in seven years. No. You just can't. In other words, you can have, you can have intimacy in, after seven years of marriage, but it's only a certain level of intimacy. You can't achieve the 18-year intimacy in seven years. So it's possible to have a marriage that's of, of seven years that's better than another marriage of 30 years, but not, but not a good marriage of 30 years, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, well, I think, too, um, the only way to fast-track it, I mean, you can't really fast-track these things, but the only thing that's, that, that makes things stronger than they could have been, too, is that adversity. Yeah. So you have, a, you have a marriage that when you go deeper, and there's, that creates intimacy, because there's struggles, there's, there's uh, awareness, and if you get out through the other side of that, you will either be torn apart or you will be closer. <laughs> so you're going to, growth yeah. always happens. There's nothing remains static. So it's either growing, you're either growing apart or you're growing together. And that, I think that's true of your marriage. I think that's true of your relationship with, with God. I think that's true of your relationships with your friends. They're either, they're either growing together or apart. Or in, in, in what are you going to do over time to move it one direction or the other. And whenever we talk about marriage, you know, it has to always be brought up that certainly there are marriages that don't work out. Many, many people in our at Compass have experienced marriages yeah. that, that tragically ended and, and there's don't hear any judgment there. And it's so hard sometimes to communicate these things because, because a lot of it is like, well, we have to think about people that are on that younger end yep. as well, who, who are seeing a world where marriages end and fall apart or they're, they're Here's the other thing. Their expectations are totally unrealistic because, you know, you watch The Notebook, you know, 50,000 times. I think times. it's one of your favorite films. It's, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, I cry every time. <laughs> and so, you, you know, and you think, well, it's got to be this passion, this full of passion all the time. Guys, there are years yeah. that, that you're going to do this thing. And, 
and there will be great moments and there'll be times, but there, but there's, those are moments and, right. and, uh, you know, but, but over time there is again, this, I, w- I would call this low grade kind of a joy that would be very hard to do again if you were to quit during a hard time and then restart with a different person. And I'm not saying it's not possible to find intimacy after divorce because I absolutely believe that it is. So please don't hear that and please hear nothing but grace and mercy if you've been through that. Yeah. But but we do we do have to talk about things that work and why because people don't understand the culture does culture doesn't assume these things like they used to. Now that being said, I was reading um, something by this guy named Martin Lloyd Jones, and the amazing thing it was it was written in 1959. And you're reading this guy, and it sounds like it was written yesterday, but he's talking about Jesus when he said, when Jesus said, um, he said, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied." And of course, the word "blessed" or "blessed" means happy or joyful, fulfilled, you know, kind of, there's a sense of, of like, again, that low grade joy that maybe not everything's perfect, but man, I, I can, I can breathe a sense of, of happiness in my life because I know the way that I've lived has been the way that God's wanted me to live. And it's just, it's a, it's a deep kind of an understanding of a word. And he makes the point, he said, blessed, so happy, fulfilled, content, joyful are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they will be satisfied. And this is what he says, and it really kind of hit me right between the eyes. He said, according to the scriptures, happiness is never something that should be sought directly. It is always something that results from seeking something else. Now that's crazy. I mean, let that sink in. According to the scriptures, happiness is never something that should be sought directly. It is always something that results from seeking something else. So in this context, if I'm pursuing righteousness, I'm, I'm not going to try to pursue what makes me happy. I'm going to try to hunger and thirst for what is right in any given situation. And when I do that, the teaching of Jesus is, then the happiness comes. Yeah. Now that is an amazing thing. In other words, and so he goes on to say, talking about, and again, here's the 50s. He's writing to people in the 50s, which everyone thinks, oh, you know, the world was great and Ozzy and Harriet and blah, blah, blah. He's, he's kind of correcting the people in the 50s and talking about the culture. And he says, and speaking of happiness, they're trying to find happiness. They're making it their goal. They're one objective, but they do not find it. Because whenever you put happiness before righteousness, you will be doomed to misery. That is the great message of the Bible from beginning to end. They alone are truly happy who are seeking to be righteous. Put happiness in the place of righteousness and you will never get it. Now I got to tell you, that's powerful. Yeah. Because we are told, hey, do, do what make, go after what makes you happy as opposed to, wait a second, if I go after what is right, the happiness is a byproduct. It's, an, it's the result. It's the consequence. Yeah. Even if the right decision, making the right decision is hard. That's really good. I mean, I have like a ton of thoughts as I'm just listening to you talk. You know, um, you think of hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure, the pursuit of happiness. That was, I mean, that's been going on since the dawn of time. Um, I know John Piper coined the phrase Christian hedonism, mm-hmm. where you find your, pl- you just pursue God and he gives, you know, uh, give yourself to the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart kind of thing. Yeah. 
And uh, he kind of turns on and says, well, because God will be your desire and he'll give you himself. I, I love the fact that it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not those who are righteous. Mm-hmm. But it's in that pursuit. This life is a pursuit. Yeah. And as you as you strive and you 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 run and you go, I mean, there's so much depth in what you're saying that I'm not sure um, people listening at first glance. Well, I mean, this is my second time here, and you kind of talk about it. There's so much in there um, that I think we could wrestle with. You know, even the the, the term righteous righteous assumes there being a God, mm-hmm. that there is something that defines. Because I, I was always I always was taught that righteousness that's a big churchy word. Um, but it's simplistically defined as to be right with God. What does God say is right? And if you pursue what God says is right, as he defines it, then it will bring that happiness. I think happiness is a phrase, too, that, that is very watered down in our culture. Um, even when you think of, like, the Founding Fathers talking about the pursuit of happiness, we equate that sort of same happiness with, with you know, like, eating tacos, you know, like yeah. it's, it's something that's, that's very mundane because the, the pursuit of pleasure is we, we, we can't even waste 30 seconds without trying to find things to occupy our boredom. You, you got a candy crush if you're standing in line or you got to do like happiness is like something that's, it's not a pursuit. It's something that you're entitled to, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. And so even like we talk about our country, you know, um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness even there, I, you know, the, I don't think what they meant was that you should just go after whatever makes you happy. No, it's richer and deeper than that. It, it is yeah. richer and deeper than that. In other words, the, the people should be allowed to go after the things that they feel that they should do, that, yeah. that when they do them will bring joy. I think any of like the founding fathers, because I would thought about this too, I thought, well, gosh, even in our whole Declaration of Independence, it's, they talk about the pursuit of happiness. Are they off? No, they're not off. It's just, it's, a, it's important to have that nuance there. Because really, um, when we talk about pursuing happiness, and it, it, so often, what, why do people pursue sin? They don't, I don't think they pursue sin because they go, I want to do something bad. Yeah. They go, I want to be happy. And then they're misled on what it is that's going to bring them happiness. One of the best ways to avoid sin in your life is to carry that sin to its final conclusion. In other words, in the case of, we've been talking about marriage, in the case of adultery, you know, and you go, well, you know, I'm not really attracted to my spouse or we're fighting a lot or she's he or she's not giving me what I need. So I got this person right here. And the lie right there, when you go, well, here's this person and they're kind of cute or they're kind of, you know, attractive and they're really nice and sweet and they've been telling me all this, is the lie there is thinking that, that this person would hold the key to my happiness. That if I pursue no. this person, that they're going to make me happy. And, re- and that, that is a lie because here's the thing. If you pursue an extramarital relationship, you will destroy that person. And that person will destroy you. There's no other way around it. There's no, you, you can't, you have to acknowledge that, 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 that the person for, for like a few brief months, that person might be the source of fun. Excitement. And excitement. Yeah. But here's the thing. They're just a human being and they will snore and they will, they will yell. They will fight. They will get, they will get cranky. They're just human beings. They're just human beings. Yep. And they will, and they, by the way, they'll get old and wrinkly and flabby and, and nasty looking someday. Yeah. And you will not be attracted to them anymore. 
So, so in that, and, and then what you'll have is you'll have a, a, a massively wrong decision coupled with this, another person that you didn't want, that you, another person that you're not satisfied with. So one of the ways that helps to avoid sin is when you see something that's bright and shining, you know, figuratively speaking, is to say that thing will get dull and will, and will, and will crack and will fade and will die. And why? Because the only thing that can bring me joy is God and the pursuit of what he wants. Yeah. I think there's, man, there's some fun stuff. I mean, my, my brain races to a thousand different directions we could go. I mean, even thinking, I think the term happiness maybe just does an injustice to, to as a translation for blessed, because blessed, mm-hmm. things that are blessed, it's, it's God's blessing, his meaning, his provision, his happiness. You know, the, there's a reason why they didn't just use happy as a, as a direct translation. I think of terms that we use interchangeably that probably shouldn't be happiness, pleasure, and joy. Um, joy maybe might be tighter bound with blessing because it, it's something that looks beyond how you feel right now and has hope tied into it. And things like that, like it's it's a deeper, more sensible yeah. thing. Um, even uh, Plato talked about happiness as the the end goal, but we read that as okay, I need to do whatever whatever makes you happy. I mean, what was that uh, was that Alanis Morissette? If it makes you happy, then why do you feel it so, can't be that? Yeah, bad. it can't be that bad. And uh, yeah, you, prisoners follow that. Yeah, they follow yeah. that credo. And it's actually, I think the song is actually, is a negative thing on that, you know. Actually, why, I think why it was so uh, sad. You know, why, Sher- I think it was Cheryl, Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow, there yeah. you go. Um, it's one of those 90s alternative mm-hmm. things there. But you think of, uh, Plato talked about eudaimonia, this, this idea of happiness as the, the end goal, the telos. He meant it as something deeper too. It was, it, was, it was tied in with meaning, purpose. It wasn't a feeling of like, oh, I feel really good right now. But it's this, this sort of deeper, grander thing. And I think that's what Jesus means. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst f- to be right with God. Yeah. So they will be satisfied. Exactly. And that is a progressive blessedness too. It's yeah. kind of like when Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It, it's, it's not just in this life. It's for all of eternity. I would see it as layers. That, see, in my own life, and, and Judy and I would say this, we've been married for 18 years. And I mean, it hasn't been perfect marriage. I mean, because we're not perfect people, but I'd say it's been an awesome marriage in many yeah. ways. And, in, and despite ourselves, and certainly despite me, because, um, you know, we're, we're just human beings, but we've tried, to, we've tried to live as God would want us to live as best as we possibly can. And when that happens over time, there are layers of joy that that marriage brings you that yeah. you could not have anticipated when you first started out. You didn't know what you didn't know. And you can't even articulate it. You can't it's articulate deeper it. Than that. No, it, it is deeper than that. And, and, that's, and I think that goes with marriage. It goes, and by the way, I absolutely believe it goes with spiritual growth. And that's the thing that people, people need to understand because everyone wants to go, everyone wants the dramatic. And you know, it's like I tell my daughter, I think we talked about this last time, but my daughter, I love her to death. She's 12, almost 13. And when I listen to her and her friends talk, they, they, they caption everything, you know, it's like you're walking and you trip and you go, huh, when you trip and you don't know how to walk or, you know, when you like do something, you do anything. Your life you is do, a meme. Yeah, yeah. Your life is a meme. Your life is a meme. So like when you do anything that's in the least bit socially undesirable, it's like, huh, when you don't know how to dress. 
huh, when you don't know how to talk, huh, you know, and it's like, it's like everything's captioned like it's a picture. Yeah. And, and so, but everybody thinks in these moments yeah. as opposed to, wait a second, spiritual growth is like a hike that you take and you spend 90% of the time wondering if you're getting anywhere and then you get to a lookout point and you go, holy cow, look how far I've come. But if you turned around during that 90% because you thought I'm not getting anywhere, then you wouldn't get anywhere. And so that's what the journey of the life of faith is. And that's why even those Psalms in uh, the song, it's like a hundred and something to 120, the Psalm of of, of Ascents. These are psalms where they would walk up to the they would walk up to the holy city of Jerusalem, and as they're walking up the hill and they're looking up and they're remembering the provision of God, and it's a journey, and, and you know, you know, and that's why again bringing it back to the series, strength through adversity. Can we be people who don't get excited about adversity per se, like oh this is so fun, but but basically, but how do I say it? Wear it, own it, accept it, and just keep going yeah that's the thing yeah you know you just mentioned the psalms and and a lot of what you're saying reminds me of the life of david and we just did our series on the psalms we just wrapped that up and i challenged my worship team to read through all of the psalms in in a month so we did five psalms a day for 30 days and and it was pretty cool we all kind of got through it but there was one theme that i kept seeing and it was david saying i'll wait on the lord Hmm. And you think of this idea, and there's two places where he prayed specifically for the courage to wait on the Lord. And you don't usually equate courage with waiting, but if you think of the life of David, where he was promised such prosperity and all this stuff, yet it didn't come, like, right away. It was this long waiting, and he could have taken it. At his own, so he's promised to be king. He's promised that he's going to be blessed. He's he's anointed, and then it's years mm-hmm. of waiting, of trying to pursue God, and just just kind of making mistakes, but pursuing God, and 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 eventually the the current king. You know, people kind of want David to be king, but he's not lined up yet. He doesn't feel it's God's time. He says, God, let me wait on you. Saul starts hunting him down. He's Mm. on the run. There's even a moment where they're in a dark cave and David's hiding in there and and Saul goes in there to relieve himself. It's a pretty funny part in the scripture, but there's this moment where he could kill the king and take the throne by his own power and he doesn't. Mm Mm-hmm. And you think of this in terms, I mean, we think of David's life as these snapshots, but it was years. He became this old man, still making this prayer, God, let me wait on you. And every time he doesn't, it ends up in ruin. And I'm yeah. just, so there, there's another thought there, you know, this waiting on, when you wait on God's timing, it's right. And it's this long pursuit with hills and valleys. It's this journey that's not, can't be summed up in a few words, but over a lifetime, and as I was reading that, I was also reading to my daughter the Narnia books. And in this Narnia book, there's this picture of, uh, it's the very first one, The Magician's Nephew. And the main character, the protagonist, is this character called Diggory. And uh, he, basically, he brings sin into Narnia as it's being created. And so Aslan sends him on this mission where he has to go and get this fruit from this garden. And so he goes to the garden, and he sees on the sign, it says, uh, the fruit is there to give life. You can take from it, but you don't take it for yourself. You must take it to give. If you take it for yourself, it will give you what you desire, 
and it will bring mm. you despair. Hmm. Wow. And so he goes in and in there he sees uh, who is later becomes, I'm um, spoiler alert. If you haven't read it yet, you know, it's written a long time ago. You should have, By but uh, <laughs> you know, like he goes in there and he sees who will later become the white witch and she's in there and, and she's eating the, the apples and it's making her strong and powerful. And so he, he quickly takes it and he's running. It, it makes her immortal gives her what she desires but he also sees her face becomes twisted and and she uh gets what she desires which is power but it brings her loneliness it brings Mm -hmm. her all these things and she tells him she says uh you're a fool you need to take that don't believe the don't believe aslan take it for yourself and he starts struggling she goes you know what your mother's sick you should take it back to her. Don't take it to Aslan. Take take what you want, what you desire is for your mom to be healthy. That's, mm-hmm. And then he starts wrestling with this, you know, what he desires. And he goes, he goes, you know what my mom would want? She'd want me to be a man of my word. And I, I promised Aslan I'd bring him this thing. Yeah. And so the book kind of ends with him giving that, you know, with this real struggle, my mom is sick and going to die, but I'm going to do what, what I believe is right. Mm pursuing righteousness and he gives the apple to Aslan and it brings all this life and all this stuff. And then Aslan gives him another apple. He goes, this will help your mother because if you would have taken at your time, it would have brought some healing to your mom, but it would also brought all this destruction and all this. And so it's this kind of like, if you take the good things in your timing, it will bring, if your pursuit is only happiness, if your pursuit is only comfort, You'll, you'll probably get that, but you'll also get despair. Yeah. You won't get the lasting things. And he goes, if I give it to you, it will bring it in the right way, and it will give you this. So you see all, and I'm reading this to my five-year-old, and she's grappling with these, these images, and it's just really good That's stuff. That's awesome, because, yeah, she's so young, and she, to get these stories, though, implanted in her head about the way, because that's really just, it's an analog of how life works, yeah. and it's an analog of how, how um, you know, what Jesus tells us in a sense you think of our marriages too you know we've been using the term marriage as kind of a, a metaphor for spiritual life as well but even if in your marriage you think that that's going to bring you the ultimate happiness it will bring you ruin mm. because your spouse and i've heard you preach this and, I, and we see I've, I've seen this in my own life when i pursue it this way yeah they cannot fulfill the role of god no, they can't. Life. And that, you're right. You will the you will the very thing that you go after. You'll you'll exhaust that person. You will you will. I, I see like this mental picture of just ripping the soul out of another human being, and to because in in search of trying to fill your own, they can't. They don't have the capacity. And that's the thing you have to realize. The person you say you love does not have the capacity to occupy the space that God has made in your soul for Himself. Right. But, you know, the main point of all this, and I think that's a wonderful story that you shared as well, that's awesome, is this. That's how spiritual growth, that's what spiritual growth is. And I think everybody wants, uh, and I admit I wanted it for years, and, and I've, I've had to wrestle with this. You still but wrestle, you, yeah. You do. You want this instant sense of gratification, and you, you, want, you want these dramatic experiences. That's why, pers- and I'm, again, I gotta be careful because I don't want to knock other churches, but they're, the, that's one of the reasons why we're not big on emotion around here. Yeah. I mean, we want, we want powerful experiences, and I think last weekend was a powerful experience. But we don't, we don't try to gin up um, emotional experiences here 
because we know that people will respond to those things, but it, it's like, it's like sugar, you know, it burns fast and it leaves you hungry. Yeah. And that's, we don't want that. We want, we want things that, that I, I want more and more couples like the one I talked to you on, on Sunday coming up to me after being here for years and saying, you know what, after being here for this amount of time, I can look back and I can see we're, we, you know, we're different. I had a conversation with a couple after church and they were just very authentic and not this my second week here and and she was like you know it seems like everybody they they come to god and their life just gets better instantly and she goes that hasn't been my experience mm. it was kind of born out of sorrow and kind of been kind of these small peaks and valleys thus since but i know that uh, you know i i believe these things and i'm just kind of walking along and i said that's what it, you you may think that it's the you know you should get this experience but what you're telling me is is what is more realistic absolutely and more authentic it is this journey and and the life is in the journey not in the the end date you know or the the Mm -hmm. destination but in the process and the progress and and you know it's just sticking in it and stepping one foot and then eventually like you said you're on a hike and you you look back and you go man this is a good moment where god god's brought me this far yep it's awesome Really cool stuff. Hey, um, man, you, I, I love just talking this stuff. It's always fun. Uh, I wanted to talk real quick about, you know, you serve as a captain in the Air Force, mm-hmm. and we're real proud of that. We have, we have a lot of military personnel here. We, we, love our, we, we love our country. You know, there's a lot of things. People want to be negative about this and that, but there's no other place we'd rather be. Uh, so we're real proud of that. You serve as a captain, as a chaplain. Mm-hmm in the Air Force, and you're getting ready to go somewhere. Why don't you t- tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and uh, I'm a reserve, as many people know, in the Air Force. I'm a reservist, and I came in kind of later on in life. I came in at 39, right before the uh, the age cutoff there. And it was a long journey, actually. It wasn't just a snap decision. It was something I decided. I got. I sought wise counsel, talked with our elders, talked with our staff, of course, talked with my wife first. She was the one, once she kind of gave me the thumbs up, green light. And she just said, hey, you know what? Uh, walk through the door and see if God opens it. And he kind of just threw the doors open one after the other. It was surprising uh, how, how much, how, how receptive the people in my life were and, and you know, to the idea of it. And it just kind of grew. And uh, so it's been, it's been good. It's been a wonderful compliment to what I do here. Um, a lot of, and I think what's helped me stay focused here is the opportunity that I have to go once a month out to the largest Air Force Reserve base in the country in Riverside, and have a ministry to the people there. And, you know, to, what it really allows me to do is allows me to be able to, and it's, it sounds weird, but, but you know, a lot of times pastors can get kind of aloof as to how the rest of the world works. And so I'm a leader. I lead this organization. I'm kind of the, you know, the guy that's in charge, so to speak. But when I go there, I'm a leader, but I'm also a follower. I'm under mm-hmm. authority. And so I, I get a nice dose of what a lot of other people have to live with in terms of deadlines, requirements, things I don't always understand, things I want to push back against and get frustrated about and tempted to get cynical about. And it's a wonderful exposure to me of, of uh, something I hadn't been, you know, because I, I won't say I haven't been under authority, but I've, you know, I've, been, I've been the senior pastor of, of, a, of two churches now for going on 14 years. And to be able to be in this environment 
but at the same time, I love it. Um, I, you know, I'm grateful to, to pastor Andre Mooney for helping to inspire me. Also Dan Butler for inspiring me, um, giving me counsel along the way. Uh, Dan retired as a Colonel in the air national guard or not the air national guard, the army national guard. Um, he was over all of the chaplains uh, in the guard for all of Arizona, just a stellar guy. Um, to yeah. retire as a Colonel is a fantastic achievement. Um, so anyway, it's just and been Andre, a fun trip. Andre, if, I mean, if you don't know, he's one of our associate pastors. You've seen him on stage. He preaches. Yes. Andre Mooney, tremendous guy. He's, he's uh, you know, does an amazing job working with um, the uh, PJs, um, parachute jump guys down in Tucson, and he works with those guys. And it's just been fun. So I'm actually going to be going off to Korea for a week. So it's very short. It's not very long, but I'm leaving in a week. I'll be gone uh, one weekend, kind of like I normally am. Um, but I'm going to be sh- uh, going off there for about five days. Um, it's no secret that the, um, the every year um, about this time, the Americans do uh, kind of war game exercises with the South Koreans. And it really is actually a very good thing. Um, I read one guy talking about how it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful preventative thing because the tensions between the North and the South and when the North, you know, they might fire off a rocket or something because they're mad. But, 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 but it helps because they see what what is capable, what the Americans and the South Koreans are capable of doing. And it really does kind of keep both sides at bay. And it's actually served to promote peace more than anything else to go and actually um, kind of do a show of force and an exercise um, kind of a thing. So I'm not doing anything, um, you know, ridiculous or anything. I'm just going as a a part of going with a bunch of people that are going to go, go do some stuff. And and my goal is to build relationships, to offer ministry to them, to do what a chaplain does and to be with them. So much of a chaplain is ministry of what what we call ministry of presence. So being there at critical moments, critical times when, you know, emotions get strained or, or there's questions or whatever else. And so it's uh, definitely, they, it was by invitation. They invited me. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It wasn't like I said, Oh, can I please go? It was more like uh, myself and, and several others were invited and we, we'd love to have you guys come with us. And so um, it worked out. So again, just for a week and, and we were debating, do I even mention anything? Cause it's not really that big of a deal, but, but it, but it is, I mean, I, it's, it's going to be fun and it's a ministry and I want to communicate yeah, too. Yeah, it's my ministry. It's it's my ministry outside of this. You know, so many people have, you know, you have a job and then you 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 serve massive amounts of volunteer time um, here at the church. And what I do is I this is my job and I love this, but then I get to step out and yeah. and kind of do this and it's my way of kind of giving back and and I my heart really is full. Um, from it. And uh, so I love doing it. And I do, I do want to continue to be grateful to everybody at Compass for, for excusing me on, uh, on a regular basis to go. It fills my tank. Maybe you could share a little bit because I, I get to hear cool stories because I'm on the, the inside. You know, we, we get to go out to lunch and have conversations. Um, maybe just some cool ministry thoughts, things that happen, things that you get to participate. You know, like to me, I, I think of you going to Korea and I've talked to uh, we have a lot of servicemen in our church, people that are deployed and how difficult that can be, yeah. how difficult it is to be away from friends and family, um, the, the kind of temptations that arise there, all, all kinds of things. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what kind of ministry you do, or maybe even share a couple stories of the ministry you've been able to do. I mean, I know you can't get super detailed, but yeah. um, some of the cool stuff that, that we get to hear, you know, the things that you get to write and the kind of questions and conversations you get to have sure. with people. Well, I mean, I am only going for a week and I'm going with a reserve unit, so I don't have to deal with the kind of the long-term, you know, deployment yeah. issues and stuff like that, that other guys um, and gals uh, who just do a tremendous job serving our country have to deal with. Uh, but a lot of times... Um, you're, the the military is uh, is there's just stress and it's an environment of stress. It's an, it's an amazingly beautiful environment in my of my opinion, 
but it's, uh, it's also an environment of stress and that stress can get the best of people at times. And the wonderful thing about a chaplain is that they can, it's the only agency in the air force where you can come and you can say whatever you want and we're bound confidentiality. That's why I don't really tell a whole lot of stories because we, you know, we pod, we podcast and we live stream and that right. kind of thing. Um, and so you, you're really kind of bound to secrecy and, and it's punishable, punishable by the uniform code of military justice. If you, if you actually violate that. So, but what I can tell you is that, um, you know, there's many people who wear the uniform who, whose lives are struggling, you know, there's everything from what they saw when they were uh, deployed overseas to just dealing with personal issues and family and everything else. And they're human beings. And, and sometimes the stress of the job or the stress of life gets the best of them. And when they seek us out, the great thing about it is, is, um, you know, I have a wonderful avenue just to ask questions, to probe a little bit, to, to offer some, some solutions and um, you become a resource for them. But the other thing that's really amazing too is the ability to be, to be again, a presence and to go into some of these meetings where, where the super high-ranking people that are, that are in charge of you know, several thousand troops and to be able to, to drop wisdom and include scripture in that. I gotta be careful because when they're captive audiences, I can't preach and drop the name of Jesus you know, and that kind of thing. I'd be careful about that because I can really be annoying and it can be kind of misusing the name too. It really can be throwing pearls to swine in a sense. And I don't mean that they're swine, but in a sense, something that's not <laughs> useful um, by just you know throwing it to people when, they, when they're not asking for it is the point. It's really the point of what Jesus said when he said that. But So you have to thread the needle pretty carefully. Um, but, but the great thing is the feedback that I get. People come up and go, chaplain, man, that was so helpful. That was so great. I took what you said and I shared it with my unit and I shared it with all these people. And can you come talk to our people? Can you come help us deal with this when there's a suicide or there's some other kind of, you know, difficult thing that happens. And, and I, I, there's so many times I'm on the base that I feel like I, I say to myself, man, I wish the church could see what just happened in there when I got to yeah. go in to 80, uh, you know, to, to go talk to 80 troops. And when I was there a couple weeks ago, um, I, uh, I got to go do, give a quick word of encouragement to security forces. And here's all these guys with, you know, AR-15s and, and they're all, you know, strapped around their, their shoulder and, and they're about ready to go on patrol. And, and just to give them some encouragement to, to let them know how they can contact me and to, to tell them thank you for what they do and, and lift their spirits. And um, it's a tough job. You know, a lot of them are working night shift and everything else. And so just to be able to, to, to me, it's the going. And then the thing about Compass is beautiful, is wonderful, is, you know, we ask people to come, come and see, come and see. And it's great. This allows me to go. And I get to go into their world. And so I don't just sit around in the chapel waiting for people to show up. I mean, we're, we're out. We're out yeah. among the units. We're very proactive. We, we, we are actually graded by how well we can get out there. So that's a good picture of, of kind of, because I think you, you just imagine a guy in a uniform with a cross on his shoulder or something, right. you know. So that's just kind of sitting there passively. Yeah. And see, that's the thing too. Hey, Nobody want to talk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fun to be able to go in and actually kind of try to light him up a little bit too. And of course, Andre's good at that and just, just go in there and try to light him up with some, with, with hope. And, and that's when I, when I go on that base, um, I tell myself, I say, you know what? You are a dealer in hope and you've got it. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with right now. If you're tired or if you're, you know, bugged about this or some paperwork thing, whatever. you're a dealer in hope. So wherever you go, you just got to be energy, energy, energy. And, and, and optimism and hope because we have no idea, you know, with the situation. So I, I mean, I tell you, it's, I could go on and on about it and I, I, I don't want to get too specific. Um, you know, and, and you can just, because I don't, I just, again, without really thinking through some things, but, but let's just say that 
uh, I have had tremendous conversations with people yeah. um, in, 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 in those critical points in their life. And, and the bottom line is it's fun. I mean, it's, I, I love it's to me, it's an absolute complete honor to wear the uniform. And I, I'd love to talk some other time too about this because there really is a, a very interesting um, movement within Christianity, almost a pacifism. Yeah. Um, and it, it comes, it, it's a, it's, it's, it's appropriate in some ways because there's some people that have conflated Christianity with Americanism. Um, and, and made these assumptions that, you know, if you're a Christian, you're automatically a Republican, conservative, uh, red-blooded American, you know, kind of a person that has to support all these causes. And I think that that can get, you know, it's like whenever you mix religion and politics, you always end up with politics. Yeah. <laughs> the religion goes out pretty quickly. And so I, I do think there's some merit to that, but I think like anything, it swings too far the other way. And I do, I love on another podcast to talk just about the, that'd be fun. Yeah. Just about the, the, um, the godliness uh, the, the men and women I see uh, in, in uniform on these on these bases on the base that I go to are, are you know people talk about the younger generation I see 18 people that are just several years older than my oldest child who are who are yeah. just incredible human beings yeah and they're fighting their way through school and they're taking responsibility and I love them I absolutely love them and I absolutely feel beyond honorable. Um, like whenever I, I, I mean, I get emotional about it. I do. I can't help myself. And I don't know why, except that there's something very deep inside me that God has allowed to awaken. And I remember I told you this when I first was, I, I remember you and I went out and I talked to you. I said, man, I just want you to know, I think I'm getting called into the reserves and I didn't want to scare you or anything like that, you know, in terms of like, what does it mean and everything else? And just kind of going through and communicating. Yeah. And I said, I feel like when I said earlier, God says, Jesus says, I've come, they may have life and have it to the full. And this was just another layer yeah. of life that God opened a world that God opened up for me in my pursuit of him. And I'm not, it's, it's it out of his grace, but I could never have called it. You know, I always respected, um, the military. I just never really, um, I just never thought I was that guy. Cause I, Hey, I'm a full-time pastor. And then you know, God just kind of allowed some things to come into my face. And I said, man, I, if I'm ever going to do this, I should do it. So again, nothing but respect for, for those who serve. And by the way, respect for those who don't serve. I mean, I think sometimes people feel like, well, I, you know, I never served. Hey, you know what? It's a calling. It's yeah. a calling. And, and, and anything that you do, and I, and I see this is the other thing too. If you're in uniform, the guys in uniform and, and the men and women in uniform would say the same thing. Anything you do, you don't have to wear the uniform to have, to have, to be, to be, have respect and have nobility and to be courageous yeah. and everything. No, no, no. Whatever you're doing in life that you're pursuing with courage and with resolve and with integrity, that's honorable and that, that deserves respect as well. So I, and I see that cause I'm in both worlds. I think there's, man, there's a lot of cool stuff that you just said. Um, one thing that you were saying is being a source and agent of hope when you go there. I think that's an easy application for anybody who's not you know, even if you're in vocational ministry or you're not, you need to see yourself as that. Because mm-hmm. that's what we've been called to do. Not not just called to be ministers or called to... We're called to, to, to leak out the hope of the gospel to those around us. And we're going to see that in First Peter as we kind of dive into that, I think, as well. And uh, there's a lot that you, you just kind of put there. I want to kind of close as we're wrapping up here. Uh, one of my favorite verses, James 1, 2, and 3, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Mm. And it's it's so much more than just like going, like you said, it's not uh, like asceticism where you just find pleasure and pain or anything like that. Yeah. But it is this deeper happiness, like joy, like I, I see what God's going to do through this, yeah. and I'm going to embrace it 
because good. this is going to be hard and it's going to make me stronger. Perseverance literally means to remain under the pressure. Yeah. So as you're kind of driving around or you're doing whatever you're doing today, just please take courage in that, that, that God uses trials and adversity to develop character in us that could not be developed any other way. It could not be fast-tracked. It could not. Right. It's the slow grow. So uh, that's all we have time for today. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. Just look up Compass Church Goodyear. You can also go on our website, compasschurchaz.com. Again, I'm Gabriel Gaspi. This is Tim Jacobs, and we're just so grateful that you uh, tuned in again. Absolutely. Thank you so much, and uh, pass it on to a friend or whatever else. Let people know, because we just want people to to uh, to catch this kind of stuff. We think it's, uh, it's it touches our lives, and hopefully, hopefully it touches yours. Gabe, you rock, man. You're awesome. You rock. See you next time.